Show. I'm your host, Abe Delgado. In this episode, I sit down with Robert Jacob Lerma, one of the top barbecue photographers in the country. Robert has traveled the world with legendary pitmasters. He's also visited the most obscure joints in small town America and everything in between. Although he has an extremely busy schedule, which requires a great deal of travel with this photography, it's actually not his primary employment. I met this family man and father of three at his house in Bee Cave, Texas, outside of Austin, where we sat down in his backyard with a nice bottle of whiskey and some cigars. His rags-to-riches story is very inspirational. I hope you enjoy it. This is Robert Jacob Lerma. All right, I'm here with Robert Jacob Lerma. The man with the eye for barbecue. This guy takes pictures like nobody else. Thanks for uh, coming on the show, bud. Well, thanks for uh, coming by the house. Uh, it's good having lunch with you earlier today. That was a good time. Uh, and uh, by hmm. now, people know about your upcoming venture that we posted <laughs> about last week. <laughs> You're fucking full of shit. <laughs> I hope people enjoyed that. Um, All those friends aren't going to be my friends anymore. <laughs> Hey, April Fools, everybody! What brings you out to Texas? You just can't you can't get it up to the state, huh? I know, right? Well, as you know, back. Leo Leo put on that uh, awesome event out at uh, at his restaurant to help support uh, Bees Crackling and uh, Brian Furman and Wayne Miller and Burt Backman. And, God, I mean. It was, it was incredible, incredible. It's like, it's like Justice League of, of barbecue people yeah, right now. Yeah, and, and don't forget uh, my personal favorite, Elliot Moss. I, I never knew Elliot until this weekend, and man, that dude is such a cool cat, man. Fucking bad scientist right there. Yeah, he doesn't even look like a barbecue dude. That guy's yeah. just a cool cat, He looks man. like he could be writing code for Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but I just admire the way, the way Elliot cooks. Uh, got a chance to spend... Uh, about a week with him at his house last summer. Yeah. Just kind of see the whole operation uh, going out to the hog farm. Uh, hung out with his wood guy, Derek. And then, you know, a late night burgers at Buxton at 2, 3 a.m. Man, that guy, uh, I admire his approach to barbecue and how he cooks. And, and then obviously, uh, Wayne, you can't say enough about Wayne. Yeah. Wayne's a fucking legend. Um, I, I, you know, I've been fortunate to travel you know, around the world with, with Wayne, and and we're gonna be going on some more trips this summer. So I'm looking forward to hanging out with him again. Um, and you got you got B. Sometimes I uh, I wish I lived in Atlanta. I'd hang out with that guy every day. The guy's just a cool cat. Yeah, he is. And then uh, Matt Horn. He uh, I think we have a wing, a horn horn wing in this house. He comes and just hangs out. I think lays low. Yeah. And then uh, and then how did you fit into that? Were you like the equal opportunity guy? Man, I bought a ticket and I hung out with them and, and I'm just like my wife says, I'm the Kim Kardashian of barbecue. I don't Well you do got that big ass, so <laughs> So I mean I can see the resemblance. <laughs> I don't think it's about the big ass, it's more about the Oh you and the brothers? The <laughs> the the no talent in the barbecue uh in the barbecue scene. I mean I I barely cook. but uh but I love to You eat barely it. cook? Yeah, I don't I'm learning, that. man. I don't I'm that learning. For one second, I 
I got a big green egg, and I'm learning. You grew uh, up in a Mexican family. You have to know how to cook. Oh, like, man, I could. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very least I'm does. talking about smoking, though, with uh, like these guys. I, I mean, I don't. How, how, how is your skill cooking a hot dog over the stove with a fork? How many, how many forks did you blacken? Oh, man, I, yeah. A ton of uh, fork hot dogs in my life. Bologna sandwiches, bean sandwiches. I mean, I, I, know, I know how to eat. I mean, that's no problem. I'm not going to go hungry. I know how to make food. <laughs> I know we're stranded on a mountain. I'm eating you first. <laughs> but, I mean, that's what I, I think life's all about, just having a good time. Yeah, I, mean, man. I, I, I reconciled myself not having a six-pack a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm owning this, this dad bod. Hey, man. You got it going on, brother. You got it going on. Yeah, enough about me, man. Let's talk about you. Okay. Let's, want to know? let's find out, you know, how did Robert Jacob Lerma become RJL? Well, Where uh, did you grow up, first of all? I grew up uh, in Oxnard, California. Uh, my family's from South Texas, uh, but my dad is military, and uh, when he got stationed out there, out in Naval Base in Terra County, um, he passed away when I was 11. We just stayed there. Uh, we bounced back and forth a little bit here and there. When I was a kid between, you know, Corpus Christi and in California. Mm-hmm. Um, but went to went to high school out there, undergrad in Northridge and graduate school in Thousand Oaks. And then moved back to Texas in, in 08. But my mom's still out there. Sisters have a sister out there. You know, I, I miss Cali in a lot of ways, but at the same time, you know, I like, you know, what we're doing right now, sitting out in my backyard, very peaceful. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I prefer the pace out here in yeah. Texas. You know, there was a little bit of adjustment at first since, uh, you know, when we moved back to Austin or when we moved to Austin, we didn't know, we didn't know anybody. So it's, it's kind of cool to feel like this is home now. And, it, and it's been like that for a while. I mean, I go back to California, you know, probably twice, two, three times a year. But um, towards the end of that trip, I'm ready to come back home. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because we did the opposite. We moved to California without knowing anyone, you know. And uh, slowly but surely, you know, this this barbecue community has kind of been my entrance into being sociable with people because I don't go into an office to work every day. I just go eat barbecue. (laughs) And talking to you earlier, I don't even know if you actually work. I mean, you're telling me (laughs) I get up at 11. I mean, I thought I was listening to like the, the fifth member of Motley Crue earlier. Man, some of my Dell people listen to the podcast, man. I I can't. I can't go on record saying that, man. I, oh. I, I guess the translation is you make it look effortless. Yeah, there you, you go. Ma- you maintain those accounts. But you know what? That's what people say about you. Everybody's like, what's up with Robert? What's up with Robert Lerma, man? That guy, he's everywhere. Does he even have a job? Or actually, everybody thinks you're just a photographer, right? Yeah, and until a lot of people, I mean, I'm okay with that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'd rather be just a photographer to a lot of people, but yeah. you know, there's a lot of people who. So let who let the people know know what I do during what the day. What you do during the day, uh, and I can vouch for it because I actually picked you up from work today. So I'm like, all right. I, I know. I saw your eyes get big when I walked out of those those doors. Like, who, who, who's this motherfucker? <laughs> you actually had a badge to prove it, so I was like, all right. So uh, during the day, um, I always joke because. You know, people always, you know, see me out and about, but, you know, during the day, I'm Bruce Wayne, and then I go check into Batman on the weekends, but during the day, I work in inpatient psychiatry. I'm a 
I'm chief executive officer of a inpatient psychiatric hospital downtown Austin. So um, what that means is we work with the, the most challenging of uh, the mentally ill in Austin and Central Texas um, in voluntary and voluntary commitments um, from all walks of life. Um, I've been there for be six years, three years as CEO. Um, and, it, and it's interesting because, you know, I have these two lives. It's almost like Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, but I've been able to kind of weave both those two, you know, life, lives of mine into like this one where we've been able to treat various people in the barbecue community, the cooking, the culinary world, hospitality in my hospital. Um, I don't think it's any secret that um, substance abuse, depression, anxiety uh, can afflict anybody, but it's it seems to be you know pretty pronounced in that world. So I've been able to again bridge that divide and and help some people out. So I like it. Yeah. How many beds do you all have? Fifty-eight. Are you looking for a vacation? I was thinking, man, maybe next time I'm in town. <laughs> you said you can self-commit. You can. Uh... Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Keep that we, we always, yeah, joke. You know, you're gonna well, you just say you're at the beach for a week. <laughs> you come back, he's like, man, that guy looks refreshed. He's like, yeah, he actually got some sleep. <laughs> he had some time to like go off the grid for a little bit. <laughs> so you mentioned you have a sister that's still in California. Is that your only sibling? I have um, an interesting family dynamic. Uh, I have one sister in in California. Mm-hmm. I have another two brothers out here in um, Colleen. Mm-hmm. I have another two brothers in Corpus Christi. And then I have uh, a sister in Hawaii and another sister in Seattle. I'm oh, the, wow. I'm the second youngest. Second youngest. But, you know, we have the typical modern family where both my parents were, were married before my younger sister who's in California. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of got together. They knew each other for, for a long time, but they got together. Probably mid seventies, and then here comes my, my sister. And I was born in eighty one, and sister eighty three. I don't see my brothers uh, that often, and I see my sister, you know, probably once or twice a year. I was gonna say, man, no wonder you're everywhere. You got a place to stay almost everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, at, at this point in my life, I I prefer to live in hotel rooms versus people's couches. But I mean, for the longest time, I was, you know. It was just easier to go from the restaurant to some, you know, to one of the homeboys' house, and then go back in the morning with them to go take pictures. But I mean, I've gotten pretty spoiled at this time. I need to. That's that's uh, my my time to sometimes catch up. I was uh, reading this post by my, my friend Jeff, who's um, food food writer for Esquire, and he was, took a selfie of him in the bed at a hotel room, and he was joking to all the other parents that. This is sometimes the only quiet time you get. He feels guilty. Yeah. But at the same time, I think we can all identify with that. Oh, yeah. It sometimes helps you, you know, too, to kind of get away. I've, I've done a lot of traveling for work myself. And, uh, you know, it kind of makes you miss home a little bit more and, and uh, appreciate it a little bit more when you get home. Yeah. I mean, again, look where we're sitting. I'm, I, I, one of the other aspects uh, of what I do during the day just provides me that level of perspective uh, each day, I mean, I get to come home to a nice family. I live in a nice area. You know, I have great friends. I have 
food and shelter. I mean, all those basics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you probably very rarely catch me bitching about anything. Um, Well, on Facebook and... That's usually politics (laughs) because fucking people are just lunatics. And, you know, full disclosure, I hate both sides. <laughs> what, do, what do you think? Lerma Delgado, 2020. <laughs> Let's do it, man. That's, I don't know. Are they, all, are they ready for the all-brown ticket? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. They, You got, uh, you know, a white guy that goes by Beto, you know, and, you know, uh-huh. and then you got a real brown guy out in San Antonio, you know, so. So you'll go by Todd and I'll go by Chuck? Yeah, there we go. That might work. I mean, I, I, it's it's funny because I think at this point we should just like take four years to find ourselves. We'll just we'll just govern ourselves. Yeah, right. We'll go smoke cigars, drink bourbon, eat barbecue. At at some point, I think the balance, the the budget will just figure itself out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll shy away a little bit from politics there. So photography. Yeah, so, I mean, you're in Texas. I mean, we can go from politics to barbecue, and it's going to be all all heated. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Photography, was that something that you liked as a kid? Was it something that you got into? Well, I mean, I grew up fucking poor, so I, I didn't get my first camera until, I don't know, mid-teens, and it was a disposable Kodak one from, yeah. I think, Walgreens or Rite Aid. No, back then it was probably uh, thrifty. Um, I mean, I always had an interest in being creative. Uh, you know, when, again, growing up, uh, the way some of us grow up, you kind of are forced to get creative. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's, you know, playing G.I. Joes or, or playing sports by yourself or whatever. So you, I think you always, for me, always had that creative streak. But I don't think I, I really took my first picture, if anything, until probably late in high school. And, and you know, it's just one of those things that kind of evolved. It never was really a thing. I mean, everybody probably goes through that photography phase. But my first time I was probably a little serious about it was when I was at the police department my first job was at the police department I was 19 and I was doing um, you know I was in charge of the or support staff at the time so I was the, the newbie um, overseeing the evidence room but it was a small department so I got to do crime scene photography but you know take pictures at autopsies and, and murder scenes and crime scenes so I got a chance to go to uh, uh, <coughs> forensic photography class um, and that's when I kind of learned anything about photography um, but at no point did I take any pictures of food until probably a decade later yeah and that was uh, really by accident on just being a tourist in 2005 uh, we were still living in California at the time but uh, my girlfriend now my wife um, we came to Austin this, on, on this little vacation and it was really more to kind of see if we liked the place because we knew I was first year in graduate school, but we weren't going to live in California after that. So let's just, what the hell, let's go, t- let's go take a trip to Austin. And I had the time this, um, I don't know if it was 98 or 99, the, the top 50 from Texas Monthly. So we went to Louis Miller, Southside Market, Black's, Pride, Smitty's, and that was kind of my first exposure. Took pictures just like any, any other person mm-hmm. and didn't think anything of it. And then we would bounce back and forth um, for the next, you know, two, three years of <coughs> taking trips. Um, and then, again, I could take pictures here and there. But it wasn't a thing. It was just, mm-hmm. just something something fun to do. And uh, I, I think at that time I was 
really starting to um, get get some uh, insight into that culture. Because we didn't have that in California. Mm-hmm. You know, our uh, our things in California. I mean, if you're talking barbecue, it's more like tri tips, Santa Maria style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I grew up on burritos and tacos out there, and this 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 brisket, like, holy fuck, what is this? Yeah. I remember getting my first really good brisket from um, from Bobby Miller out in you know rest in peace out at Louis Miller. He gave me a piece, and I had no idea at the time who was giving it to me and what this place was. This is cool fucking building. It's a great place. This guy is pretty very you know old school, short to the point. He gives me this piece of meat. I'm like, wow, it's the best thing I put in my mouth in a long time. <laughs> And I, I, and I think at that point, and I, and I tell Wayne this story, was when I really started to uh, grow fond of, of this culture and the cuisine because you, you, you juxtapose that food experience with that building, you know, the patinaed walls, you got that, yeah, that classic card wall, mm-hmm. you got the creaky wood floors, you got that either it's, it's in summer, it's too fucking hot, or the, and winter's too damn cold. How could you not fall in love with what, what, yeah. what this is? Yeah. Man, that's crazy that you were actually able to get a piece of brisket from Bobby. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a fucking dumbass idiot. I didn't know at the time who was giving it to me. <laughs> Did you, do you still have, like, pictures from back in the day? Uh, yeah, I have. Um, and, again, this is me being a dumbass. I had no idea that I was going to be ever anything. So I'm probably the worst record keeper of pictures. I mean, I have some. Yeah. But, you know, uh, nothing that, that truly catalogs my intro into this. And so was it always barbecue, or were you taking pictures of everything at that time? No, it was, it was always always barbecue. I mean, at the time, I mean, my, my wife was a vegetarian, so um, it, was a, it was a nice thing to do. Uh, one, I mean, also, I didn't know anybody, so it was a... Mm-hmm. And I had weird days off. I was with the sheriff's office. <clears throat> so... The hell else am I gonna do? I'll just go travel around. Yeah. You know, um, sampling places, trying places, and then um, if the food's great, bonus. But I was more interested in, in the buildings, to be quite honest, the people and the history of those places. And the food was great. That was icing, icing. Yeah. And I know that uh, I know you cook because I've been over here when you cooked it up. Uh, is that something that you recently? picked up or have you always cooked uh, barbecue well I've always been interested in cooking mm-hmm. but um, barbecue is is something I, I've you know through just through my travels just grew fascinated with and I always kind of talked to had this internal discussion if I were to ha- be in a place uh, to, to have a, you know a backyard and to to have you know the, the devices or pits or whatever I mean, this would be something that I would love to do. And um, for me, it was less about, you know, I'm going to cook in my backyard trying to open a place. It was more, this seems fucking relaxing. Mm-hmm. I can hear the fire cracking and the smells, and it takes time, and I have to pay attention. It was, a, for me, a complete departure from my day job. Right. Um, it was therapeutic. It was uh, slowing me down. You know, we, you know, we had lunch earlier today downtown Austin. And this was a way for me to just be completely on the opposite side of that. Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't say in the beginning, I don't even know now, but I mean, some of my friends like it. In the beginning, I was any good, but it was, I didn't really give a shit. It was mm-hmm. something that I enjoyed doing. And, you know, now I, I'm, you know, yeah, 
you have to ask some of my friends, they seem to enjoy it, but I think I'm a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, hell, I reached out to you for a <laughs> recipe the other day. Yeah. On some of that. Uh... I mean, how could you not lo love cooking with fire? Uh, yeah. You know, it's, you know, whether you're reading, you know, books by Michael Pollan or, or watching Francis Malman, I mean, that's really what makes us, us, our ability to, to cook, you know, these, these, not just barbecue, but these, these, these pieces of meat and make it palatable and soft and looks great, smells great, makes me feel good at, at the end. And, and, and the community aspect is, you know, um, you know, I'm sitting in my backyard looking at all my devices, but it really allows me to, to host and entertain and, and bring people together. And I mean, from, from all walks of life, you'll have, you know, various people in my backyard and nobody's bitching at each other. Nobody's arguing. If anything, they're arguing about what their favorite places are. Yeah, but nobody's at each other's throats, drinking, eating good food, having a good time, and at least for that very moment, it sounds kind of cheesy, but nobody wants to fucking kill each other. Yeah. So is in in your photography was there ever is there like a point that you can look at and say and say this was my big break and that's kind of what got me to be that name that everybody knows nowadays? Well, you're too kind. I don't know if I'm that name right now, but. Well, I mean, you're definitely. <laughs> I mean, in the barbecue world, everybody knows who you are, right? You're going to make me nervous again. I mean, <laughs> I grew up pretty shy and, and, and averse to any type of attention. I remember growing up, my mom would drop me off at birthday parties, you know, in front of houses. And there, I would usually be pretty late because, you know, she had to do stuff. And, uh, and we're Mexican. We're, <clears throat> we're always... Yeah, we're never on time. And I would <laughs> dread walking into a place knowing that everybody was there already. You know, we'll have to walk into that, that house and everybody's looking at me. So I'd wait for her to leave and then I would go hang out at a park until it's time for her to come pick me up. Mm -hmm. Not wanting any type of attention. <laughs> it made me uncomfortable. Wow. Um, man. I mean, I'm obviously a little different now. I think Police Academy probably coaxed that out of me. But, you know, to answer your question, um, you know, I look back and <clears throat> I think if there was any one time it was, you know, I, you know, I joke with Daniel, Daniel you know, Daniel Vaughn, and mm -hmm. I, I, I blame him for it. You know, I took my first picture in 05. I didn't share my first picture until 2013. This was never a thing for me. Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to be anything. It was just something that I thought was, was cool to me, and I kept it to myself. You know, I wasn't trying to make a name for myself, still not trying to make a name for myself. And, um, you know, my wife at the time, uh, I mean, still my wife, obviously, but my wife and that point was like hey just start a twitter account I mean, maybe you can you know meet some people who are interested in what you're yeah. interested in so i did and it was i think it was like may of 2013 around that time may and i had known daniel from 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 places already he just got you know put in his job at texas monthly as barbecue editor and i remember him you know giving me a holler and say hey you know we want to start this series you know this photographer of the month text the monthly and we want you to lead and that, that shit made me nervous it's like what the fuck i'm not a photographer this is just something you I'm hadn't doing. had any formal training or anything no, at that point no this is just something i'm doing for fun wow um you know i i don't i mean in my mind i didn't feel comfortable doing that because that would open it up to criticism mm -hmm. and 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 comments which you know i wasn't ready for mm -hmm. So he, he pretty much convinced me. He's like, hey, just, just send me pictures, man. Give it a shot. So I did. 
I sent some, you know, portraits and, you know, and they, they ran, I think, in July of 13. So two, three months after I shared my first picture, I was being featured in, you know, a Texas Monthly piece for this, and it made me nervous. So I had, Did you already have the right equipment and everything, too, or, or were you just doing <laughs> I had a, um, well, I had started with this this cheap-ass camera I bought off Craigslist for like 50, 60 bucks mm-hmm. way back when. But at that time, I had, I, had, I think it was the November of the of 12, when I went down to the Best Buy in South Austin, I still remember that day, and I was like, you know, I'm going to get a new camera. And it was a D31, Nikon D3100. Yeah, and I went and got it, and I was like, what the fuck did I just do? I just spent 400 bucks on a camera. I had this buyer's remorse. I wanted to take it back. So I felt guilty spending 400 bucks. And and um, I, I, I went and just started messing around. I had no idea. I mean, I put it on automatic, and I still didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I just, But I knew what I wanted to shoot. Right. But creatively, I knew what I wanted to capture. Technically, I still had a long way to go. Um, and I still joke with Erin, you know, my wife. She's like, what are you doing? You're not a photographer. Because she was nervous, too. I mean, because mm-hmm. I had this thing. It's like, if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all in. And, you know, 400 bucks was, all, for me at the time, all in to see where it goes. And, and I never thought I'd be anything what I am now. But at the time, I was like, maybe I can go take some pictures for a couple of restaurants here and there. Help them out. Mm-hmm. And um, got that camera. And, I mean, it stuck with me for, you know, a few years. But, you know, <laughs> I, look, I, look, I look back now, and that's probably the biggest investment. I mean, that's like look, looking back at the stock market from the 20s and, and looking to where the stock market is now. I mean, I look what, what that really has done for me from, from a fiscal standpoint and, you know, being able to not just earn, earn a living aside from my day job, but, you know, I've met the coolest people. I've been at some of the best places in the world. And, you know, I get to hang out in my backyard and cover for some of my people that I admire. I don't know if I'd ever, if I would be there if I didn't, you know, just say, you know, stop being a bitch. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> go, go ahead and do it. Don't take this damn camera back. Yeah. That's funny because in the whole barbecue world, a lot of times people have to tell themselves that, right? You hear that. I listen to a lot of podcasts and, and talk to a lot of folks and they always say that, you know, I had to tell myself to just do it, you know? Yeah, you just got to jump. Yeah, and, yeah, and, definitely, man. And, you know, I still, I still kind of, you know, get that question because, you know, I'm fortunate to be able to, you know, have some pretty good support from my clients and, and you know, ambassador for these companies. And it's, again, it's still weird to me that they see me as a, a face of, of their product. But at the same time, you know, it, it does you know, uh, resonate with me that, that this could be a thing for me if I wanted to do this full time, you know, that's an option. And I mm-hmm. never thought that would ever be an option. Um, and a, a lot of times my biggest challenge is, is, is not who to work with is how do I find time, you know, during the, during the week, you know, I'm out there, I mean, again, you saw it today, I'm at, at my hospital, you know, I, I have a lot of responsibility, multi-million dollar hospital, you know, I have a bunch of people that depend on me to be there. So I have this, this responsibility there but at the same time I enjoy being able to travel yeah everywhere and and being able to work with the coolest people and, and have these experiences that fuck man I never would have thought of I'd be able to go 
go hang out at Noma or to go live in Madison Park or even so personally my best experiences are going to some of these small towns and telling those stories and, and helping them out and, and bringing some to exposure and you know whatever I am I know I, I do accept that that you know I do have an audience and I do have a voice and you know I'm, I'm able to bring some exposure to some people that sometimes probably wouldn't have got it and I don't take that lightly yeah I mean definitely an inspiration to a lot of people you know especially I mean I grew up poor also you know my my parents came from Mexico and you know it was uh, I have a brother and two sisters and they worked really hard to get us to where we are now and you know I know you have a, a similar background of growing up poor man and and working really hard to where you are so definitely you you inspire not I mean you inspire me and I know you inspire a lot of other people man so. I'm just uh, I, don't, I don't think I know any any different you know I, again you can look at where we're sitting now I mean my my house before this was the first house I ever lived in ever you know I grew up uh, on my dad's social security check and you know, he passed away mm -hmm. he was 42 I was 11 my mom had an eighth grade education she was a housekeeper you know uh, I always joked that and I never bothered remembering the phone number at my house because it would be eventually shut off mm -hmm. we used to you know we had bunk beds in our living room if you would call it that or our one bedroom apartment but you know without any of those experiences and, and um, you know uh, at the time I was embarrassed about it I never used to bring anybody over to my house because you know God forbid they see the fucking roaches crawling up, up the up the yeah. walls or they'd open my refrigerator and see that the whole cow heads you know again you grew up poor so you eat the leftovers mm -hmm. and for us that was the brains and the, the which is obviously in kind of the thing now <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i mean back then it was fucking survival yeah um so i, I think it just kind of sets the tone for this work ethic and and really uh this resolve that you just can't teach mm -hmm. you know have failed at a lot of things i i, I think what for me was i didn't want to be what was around me and you know whether it's gang gang you know infested neighborhoods and drugs you know with my my father who used to you know you know cope with his ptsd from vietnam through you know drugs and alcohol you know obviously ultimately killed him mm -hmm. it just wasn't a thing for me and but at the time you don't know because you know that's all that's around you you sure kid you want to be included i remember um eighth grade year before they ultimately kicked me out of public school I had this uh, spreadsheet which you would call it a spreadsheet of the three gangs in my neighborhood and I had the pros and cons of, of I mean that's how fucking nerdy I was <laughs> I had the, the pros and cons of, of each one of these, these gangs I was like man I gotta come up with some good shit because this is just like a big decision for me <laughs> um, oh, man. but you know they, I was asked to leave public school I got ultimately sent to private school sent with the, with the nuns at Catholic school and uh, and couldn't afford that I mean I was like 350 bucks a month uh, which was again almost half of my, my dad's check that my mom was got so I had to pay through that by you know, uh, mowing the lawns and picking up trash and painting which is again embarrassing because you go to school with a, a lot of fancy people and you want to fit in and here here I am picking up trash on the weekends but I look back and that is all shit that, that helped me be where I am today. Yeah. I would not be a CEO of a hospital at 34 without getting thrown down and forced to really figure things out.
Yeah, yeah, man, that's that's definitely admirable. I I can relate. I think uh, you know we've talked about this offline, and I think that we can appreciate where we've been. You know, this whole rags to riches stories, which a lot of these you know a lot of these pit guys have the same kind of thing. You know, where they come up from nothing, and and uh, I think that's probably the most intriguing thing about this whole barbecue thing, and why I started the podcast is to find out all these stories. You know, it's man. it's a it's a really interesting dynamic because you see a lot of parallels in not just in barbecue but in, in kind of our, our upbringing but that that blue collar hard work mm-hmm. uh, willing to, to do whatever it takes to provide for your family and to me that's what I respect the most it's not I mean there obviously there's a couple folks out there doesn't you know you don't need to name any names because it's not important who because it's a thing you know I want to go do this because I want to get on this list I want to have you know be on this magazine mm-hmm but there are truly a lot of people who see this as, as a calling. Uh, this is something they grew up in. You know, one of my favorite examples is, um, you know, Zach Parker out of out of Lexington, Tennessee. He's been cooking whole hogs since he was damn near 10 years old. It's all he knew growing up. It's all he, mm-hmm. he does one thing and he does it better than almost anybody else in the world. Cooks whole hogs. And, you know, to, to, to see people like that go from that point where they're cooking with their dad um, and to have their own place because, you know, Ricky Parker passed away and to, to spread that <clears throat> that gospel of that what is their culture, was, you know, in that place, it's Western Tennessee. It's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, similar things with, you know, Rodney out in, out in Charleston, previously Hemingway, you know, kind of taking traditions down that was passed down to him. But, you know, without preservation of some of these people and their stories and their culture and their food, you don't have this this, this fucking thing that's taken off. I mean, if you take a step back and, and, and get away from all the, the lists and all the who's the best bullshit, I mean, you dial it back down to its core. These are these are people, hardworking people who are, are cooking for other hardworking people, providing jobs for other hardworking people. Mm-hmm. And, and they're doing some, in my opinion, some of the coolest things around how could you not love that? Yeah. So getting back to your photography, um, you've been on some just incredible trips. Uh, one that I that I saw was whenever you guys went to the Netherlands. Oh, Sweden and Copenhagen? Yeah. Denmark? Yeah. Talk to us about that. Maybe maybe any other epic uh, adventure that you've been on that, that sticks out. So uh, we'll be going back again at the end of August. Uh, Billy and Tuffy and I will be going out to Sweden, Copenhagen, and then London, and in London this year. Wow. Um, but last year's um, end of July, it was myself, Wayne, Sam Jones. It's, it's funny whenever I say Sam Jones, can't not think about, about Rodney. Ladies and gentlemen, Sam Jones, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Pat Barton from Martin's Barbecue in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my boy, Billy Durney, out in Red Hook. Uh, Brooklyn went out to, to Sweden to um, hang out, cook, and my job is really to tell the story, document the, mm-hmm. the whole uh, experience out at my at Johan and Johan's place, uh, Holy Smoke Barbecue in in, in Sweden, and um, that was my first time being out there, so I was I was soaking it all up. But for me, it was being out there with all my friends cooking this thing that we do here in America and sharing that story to, to you know people in Europe who are so fascinated and interested in learning about you know what we do out here and and, and out there it was you know salmon and and Pat cooking two different styles of whole hog one each in North Carolina Pat was doing 
you know, Washington, Tennessee, you know, Wayne was doing beef ribs, which are, you know, to anybody who's had them, uh, as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't use the words best, but I mean, I dare you to find a better beef rib than, than Wayne's. I mean, that's the benchmark. And then, you know, mm-hmm. Billy was doing, holy shit, man, that Irish guy makes some of the best tacos I've ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, doing all this, I mean, the food is, is almost an afterthought. It was them watching them tell their stories of how they got started, what they were cooking, and, and to seeing these people from all across, you know, Scandinavia. They came from Norway and, and Denmark and Sweden and other places. Be so interested in what we're doing. Things that we, we sometimes can can lose sight of because it, it may be so common to us they were so interested in it, and that was that was a beautiful thing yeah. um, so we were there for about, uh, almost uh, about a week and I uh, can't tell you all the details what goes on in Sweden stays oh, in Sweden yeah. but I'm uh, sure there's nobody, a lot of stories in nobody there. got arrested nobody got killed <laughs> <laughs> are they cooking every day like every other day so in, in Sweden I mean uh, it's uh, yeah we were there in the summer Mm-hmm. Which was an adjustment for for all of us because you know we're out you know having a good time we'll call it that um, and sun didn't go down to about eleven and so we're out to about you know one two and we go back to our hotel and my dumbass forgot to you know forgets to close the blinds and sun's coming up at four a.m. so first two days I was adjusting all of us were adjusting <laughs> <laughs> but in, in in out there in Scandinavia they have these long days in summer and and then winter comes. You know, fall, spring. You know, fall, winter, spring, and then it's pretty much, it's a it's a closed season for for barbecue there. Anyways, I mean, you know, Johan would probably be able to open, it and people would come from all over, despite. But you know, for them, it's still more so just a summer thing. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I mean, their food at, at Holy Smoke, and you know, yeah, Johan and I are, are he's one of my best friends, but their their food is fucking fantastic. You know, they can hold their own in, in, in Texas. They can hold their own anywhere in this country because they really care <laughs> about what yeah. they're doing. They're bringing in, you know, uh, brisket and, and beef ribs from, from Creekstone. They're bringing in, well, because beef is not so prevalent out there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably why they are. they're all so gorgeous. They're all fit. They're all probably eating <laughs> vegetables. And, and I lingon- need to move there for a little while. Lingonberries. But, you know, they're importing some of the best product out there. You know, they have, you know, textile pits. You know, they they're, have, you know, post oak. They have beef from from the place that Aaron gets his beef from. Wow. So, uh, fantastic. So, it's big time out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's big time for Europe, but it's a big thing for them. And I think they're, they're, their interest is, again, carrying on that tradition that we're doing here out there. Is that like the, is there a lot of other restaurants? Is it catching on where other people are doing? I mean, I imagine it gets expensive for just the average Joe to start opening up a joint. Well, high roller like you, Abe. I mean, you can go out there. (laughs) Whatever. Go out there and buy a whole damn brisket like nothing. (laughs) Um, I mean, there are a few places popping up. There's, you know, know, Feast in Paris. Uh, There's there's some places in London. but live fire cooking is, is a big deal out, out in um, Europe. You know, barbecue is, is still kind of finding its footing, but I, th- I think it's positioned well to grow out there. Yeah. You know, they have some cool, you know, s- spots that exist, but I think with the uh, you know, uh, ambassadors like Johan and Johan out there kind of paving the way, I, th- I mean, it's it's primed for, for growth. Yeah. 
um, you know, talk about, you know, the Sly Fire aspect, you know, Metopia London is, which I've never been to, so I'm looking forward to going uh, in August, is uh, this festival that just celebrates all live fire cooking. And so, uh, I mean, I think they're in a good spot to really take it to that next level. Mm-hmm. That's where you take your I Crush Barbecue show on the road. Yeah. Worldwide. You know what? I'm going to start saving for that. <laughs> Put some in my piggy bank. <laughs> Just give up Michael Dell a holler and say, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, Mike, this is my pitch. No, I got to give Ruby a call, my wife. That's who I need. That's the main boss. <laughs> that's the real boss right there. And what about these smaller places that you, because you mentioned that that's some of the some of the ones that you like the most are these smaller places. Any any other one that kind of sticks out to you? That Well, I mean, there's some smaller places that are now big places. I remember going to, to Evie Mays before it was Evie Mays. Yeah. You know, when they were a little, you know, strip, well, the strip mall wasn't even really open. They had their trailer in front of a rundown, dilapidated strip mall. And was that the picture the, with the red trailer? That, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was, you know, telling you earlier, but, you know, I remember driving up there maybe four or five years ago, um, and I before I head up there, I, I talked to Daniel and asked him about some places, and he's like, hey, check this place out. They're out in Wolferth, and I had no idea where the hell Wolferth. I had to look it up, <laughs> but it's outside of Lubbock. Yeah. And um, I gave I gave Mallory a call. I was I think I was in Big Spring. I was like, Hey, this is my name's Robert. I'm you know coming out there. I just want to see if you have any food. It's like, Oh yeah, we have food. We're just out the house hanging out. <laughs> I was like, What the fuck? This is a Friday, <laughs> like at like at you know one or two o'clock. It's like prime time. You were hanging out at the house. <laughs> She's like, yeah, give me a call when you when you get close by. We'll come back to, to the restaurant. <laughs> I was like, okay. So you know, a couple of hours pass, and I drive out there, and I give you know Mallory a call back, and you know Arnest is already there, and you know introductions. But I say, yeah, I'm just coming from Austin, you know, on my way to Tech, and you know, I heard your you know heard you serving some you know good barbecue. Want to try it out? And you know, Arnest brings out this platter, and. <laughs> I'm like, you're looking at the spider, like, what the fuck, man, this looks fantastic. How the hell are you at your house hanging out when <laughs> you have this here? So sometimes, you know, you know, you can make pretty pictures, food looks pretty, but, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't always match to what it looks. So I try the food, and yeah, that's fantastic, that's fantastic, that's fantastic, that's fantastic. You know, I think I texted Daniel, and I texted some other friends, like, hey, this is going to sound kind of crazy, but Woolforth. <laughs> Woolforth. And... After they got in asking, well, what the hell is wolf? Or where? What is that? Is that a, is that a wolf? Or is it, what is that? A clothing line? Um, and you know, to see them kind of take off, and you know, they have this gorgeous building. You know, Arnis's building pits, and Mallory's still crushing it on the desserts and sides. And yeah, they yeah. have three businesses in one: a bakery, yeah. a barbecue place, and they build pits now. Jeez. Yeah. You know, same thing with Leonard. I mean, we were, you know, one of my best friends, and I remember going to his place, you know, when he was just getting started. Bright-eyed and bushing-tailed, and, you know, I remember going in there, same same type of deal. He had no line. And, you know, he, at the, t- at the time, it was it was kind of funny because he didn't use his real name on, on, on social media or Instagram. It was, what is it, Jody Rafio. And I had thought, I had no idea this was like a, a a character from from show, and I thought I was talking to some guy named Joe, Jody Rafio. Then I go in and he's like, "Yeah, I'm Leonard." I was like, "Yeah, I'm looking for yeah, sure, Leonard. I'm looking for Jody. Where's Jody?" <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Oh, that's me." 
And, um, you know, we, we hit it off and he brought some food out, same, same thing. I'm like, holy shit, man, this is fucking fantastic. Yeah. And it's, you know, obviously he just opened up his new place and, and, but it's cool to kind of see these people kind of take this, this thing and grow it. And, yeah. and you know, one of my favorite, both of those places are one of my favorite places. They're both now, you know, according to Texas Monthly, top 10 in the state. Yeah. I mean, they have that it factor, you know, I mean, he's. I just met him this past weekend, and just yeah, it's the first time I ever met him. And cool cat. This guy is—I mean, you can just tell—he busts his ass. He is a hard worker. Yeah. And that's the thing I'm talking about, because if people like that are at most risk for burnout, you know, we and we talk a lot. Mm -hmm. But you're exactly right. That that motherfucker sleeps by the pit with cots. Yeah. Bathing the fire. I mean, could he have an easier route? Of course he could. Mm-hmm. And his food would still be fantastic. Yeah. But there's something to be said about people like Leonard or you know SIO and, and yeah. Joe out there at 2M, you know, sleeping by the pit. I mean, that's that's admirable. That's dedication. Jeez. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. I, I couldn't do it. You know, that's why <laughs> I'd rather go and stand in line and pick up a, a plate, you know. Because these guys really work hard. You have to have a passion for it. You have to kind of be born and bred for it. Because it's, I don't think it's something that I could pick up for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it ain't for everybody. I know, uh, contrary to popular belief, because there's a lot of great places these days. But it's not easy. And, yeah. and um, you know, uh, p- part of the reason why I, I don't ever see myself or want to be a critic is who am I to judge somebody who's, who spent... You know, X amount of hours sleeping by mm-hmm. a pit, cooking, babying that fire. And of course, you're going to have an off day. But for me, that's not my purpose. Yeah. I mean, if they have good food, great. If they have okay food, great. Um, um, that's not my job. Yeah. And my job really is to tell that story than sleeping overnight. Yeah. Tell that story, that process. So, buddy, my little son's here. Little scotch. Yeah, man. So. You get asked the question all the time, you know, would you ever quit your job and just do this full-time, be a photographer full-time? And, you know, people think that you do that already because you travel all the time and, you, you know, you're always working. Yeah, and, you know, it's uh, beginning to become more of a real question mm-hmm. these days. Uh, the hardest thing for, for me is a lot of times saying no because, not because I don't want to, is because... We're all working the same 24 hours in a day, mm-hmm. and um, and I just can't. I mean, I have you know family, you know three three children and a wife, and um, you know obviously my job at at, at the hospital. But um, I have a I have a limit right now, so it does lead to the question internally where I'm asking, what would this look like? Could I do it? I mean, I'm sure I probably could, mm-hmm. but honestly, I enjoy. I enjoy what I do during during the week at the hospital. So you know, time will tell. I'm not putting a, I'm not saying definitive no. Right. But uh, it's more so a, a, a potential yes these days. Yeah. And you're having fun with it the way you're doing it now, right? You're able to juggle it, and I guess if you're able to do it and and still be able to maintain your your family life and everything. <sighs> I mean, once I start stop having fun and enjoying what I'm doing, then then it'll be easy for me to you know, hang out my camera and go mm-hmm. do something else. Right now I still enjoy, you know, the people and the food. 
yeah. and, and, and being able to learn from some of the best people in the world. And uh, I, I think for, for me that, that leads to some of these, these really cool pictures. I mean, I'm not interested in, in food porn, meat porn. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can, that's, that's, for me, that's, that's for somebody else. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested in other aspects of, of barbecue. And um, the artistic side, the, the telling a story with the picture, which you do, you know, I mean, I, you see some of your pictures and you're like, man, that's a whole story right there in just one picture, you know, which not everyone can do that. I love it, man. I love following you and your pictures and, you know, some of these other guys that are out there that, that do a great job, too. Yeah, uh, I think that for, for, for me, it's uh, a, a lot has to do with the relationship that I have with a lot of these people, you know, um, sure, of course, I, 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 you know, make pictures with them, but at the same time, these are people who I call friends, who I hang out with outside of, of taking pictures, creating, creating, you know, stories, and uh, we, we've taken trips, we, we, we talk daily, you know, there's this probably three-year-long group text message that I have with, you know, all my friends, and, you know, Matt, Leonard, and Bert, Andrew, Sierra, um, Ernest, that's been ongoing, and all we do is just talk shit to each other, mm-hmm. and, and it just keeps us humble. It keeps us, you know, uh, grounded, and 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 for us, it's it's something that's sometimes real in a in a at times artificial world. Um, so I'm fortunate to have these relationships, and I think in turn, you know, that leads to a lot of authentic imagery where I'm able to kind of get in their private spaces. They allow me this access, and I don't take that for granted one bit. You know, I'm in their homes and places that they've built and I'm not going to come in there and start dictating and I'm going to walk to the front of the line you know people joke it's like oh you know I don't wait in lines but I'm, I'll I've also been schooled on the other side sometimes when I go to places that I don't tell them I'm there They're like how come you tell me you're there I was like well, you're fucking busy man yeah I'm going to go in there and be that guy That's a, that guy's an asshole mm-hmm. that walks in the back door or walks to the front of the line and, <laughs> and sees you working and dis- disrupts that you know fuck that yeah. you, know, you know I'm not going to be that guy no matter what, what I do or accomplish. It's that respect, and I, and I think it, it, it goes both ways, you know, where you know, it, they respect what I'm doing, so in turn, they, they, they give me that access, and I will never take that for granted. Yeah, yeah. For someone that's starting out, not something that happens overnight, obviously, you've, you've put a lot of years into it, but for someone that's starting out, what, what tips would you give someone who's, who's a novice photographer that, uh, you know, that looks up to you? As far as like getting a camera, just, yeah. just kind of getting out there. Yeah, getting out there and you know how to start. And, you know, I mean, I think probably if if like me, I'm I'm not obviously not looking to become a photographer. I just am not. Yeah, that, I, said the, I said the same thing too, buddy. I'm not that creative, to be honest. I mean, you go into my house and you'll see the walls are pretty bare. I, we can't even we can't even furnish our house the right way. <laughs> but uh, you know. Um, you know, folks probably wonder, man, how, how do you turn this into a business? How do you get paid? You know, I know you have sponsorships and you have all kinds of things. It took a long time to get to that point, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, someone that has this illusion of becoming the next RJL, you know. What... Well, I would tell them to not try and become the next RJL. Yeah. Try and be who, who you want to be. Right. You know, I never wanted to be what I am right now it just I thought it was something that was interesting to me mm-hmm. and sure there there are times I get texts about you know this guy's doing this or this guy's doing that or this question I, mean, I don't give I honestly don't give a fuck I don't have any competition 
my goal is to not compete with anybody, it's just to have fun doing it. And if people want to take some of the pictures and that's fine, that's on them. You know, I grew yeah. up kind of in that hip hop world where, you know, creativity was paramount mm-hmm. and biting was, was something that was ostracized. <laughs> and it, it doesn't scare me. It doesn't make me averse. I mean, some of my best friends are photographers because they inspire me. Yeah. to go and get better. They're not doing what I'm doing. I'm not doing what they're doing, but they're also pushing me to be better because I see, you know, whether it be Krager out in New York or, you know, Ken Goodman, who I call him, you know, Mr. Cookbook. All he does is shoot cookbooks like Chris Carter. All he does is catch touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, drinking bourbon with Ken at my house a few months ago, and these are some of my closest people, um, and they're not competition because mm-hmm. they we push each other. Um, but the people who want to just copy, I mean, that's on them. If they don't have yeah. that creative uh, ability to go do something different or tell that story differently, then then I don't have anything to say to them. Yeah. Uh, um, my goal is to really advance barbecue, not advance myself, not to advance any particular place. I mean, if I, I think it's a cool story or it's a cool person or, or they have this, this, this thing about them, then... I'm going to go by there because mm-hmm. uh, I, I want to be part of that. I want to eat that food. Mm-hmm. Um, but somebody who's just getting started, I mean, just go buy a camera. It doesn't need to be a fancy camera. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I started out with this cheap-ass camera from Craigslist and and kind of figured it out. You know, and, and I had this impression on my mind what I wanted to take pictures of. So that's what when people ask me, what should I get started with? Do I need to get this? And then, you know, you don't need to go get this, the best shit right now. Mm-hmm. Figure out if you like it. Figure out if this is something you, you, you think you can do and and then ladder up. Get a nicer camera. But you don't need a nice camera to take great pictures. Um, you just need to be creative and yeah. be able to see things that others aren't seeing. And for me, that's what's most interesting about some of these new photographers. Because like, I look at some of these pictures like, holy shit, man, I, I, didn't, I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. And again, it kind of pushes you to, to think creatively because we all kind of have those moments where we have this... Uh, writer's block type thing mm-hmm. where again this is why I shy away from that that classic top down barbecue shot that everybody does because there's nothing interesting about it to me it's, mm-hmm. it's it's basic and you know sometimes I, I guess it's necessary but but uh, for me there's not a lot of creativity to it thanks man I appreciate it uh, you're welcome most of mine are the top down <laughs> well, well you're doing podcasts that's all I can do man you're doing podcasts I, like I said I'm, I'm not creative but, yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, no, I get what you're saying. I'm just messing with you. But, uh, and I think that, so speaks before, to, right? that speaks to a lot of people out there that are doing barbecue. Like, I've seen you in a session with, uh, with Andrew in their backyard and setting up a tray. Man, sometimes I wish people would set up their trays a little better, you know, especially in L.A., you know, that there's a lot of people that are just starting and getting out there, but obviously I don't want to go up there. I don't know what I'm doing, so, but, uh, you know, what, what advice would you give somebody that's out there or anywhere, right? That's, that's... I mean, I know, I mean, I know what I, I like, um, and I know how I want to see it. And, you know, I never knew I had this, this connection with platters mm-hmm. until I was out in Toronto with, uh, Adam Skelly from Adamson barbecue. And he was talking to me about wanting to, to create this the best platter he's ever had because I was coming by and <laughs> I sort of did a thing of it. Am I that guy? <laughs> but you, you see enough of them, you know what you don't like and you yeah. know what you do like and you, you kind of set it up in a way um, that, you know, is appealing 
you know, because you know, a lot of the people looking at the at the picture, they're not they're not there. So, but you want to be able to to make them feel like they're there. Make yeah. Them feel like holy shit, man, that looks fantastic. I would like to be there. I want to go there. Maybe that leads to them booking a trip out to Toronto or booking a trip to go see Andrew at Smorgasburg or or, or whoever. Um, so, you know. It, it, it sometimes has to be done because the, the full tray shot captures the whole menu. One of the nice things about, I guess, live interview is, is you have all my little rascals back here. <laughs> yeah. Being kids. Kids being kids. Yeah, man, let's, let's um, wrap it up. I know you have other things to do than sit here with me all afternoon. <laughs> um, Actually, I have absolutely nothing to do. No. <laughs> That's kind of the point. As my wife gives me a dirty look. <laughs> For people out maybe that, that don't know you, you know, out in, I'm getting a lot of listeners out in California, and you know, I'm covering a lot of that California. I still area. got an 805 area code. You still got an 805 area code. So if if uh, people want to take a look at some of your pics, you're not oh, this, all about. Is this the part where I'm supposed to tell them tell them where to go? To yeah, where to find you, man. Just find my name, robertjacoblerma.com or at robertjacoblerma. And I know you have some really cool events coming up. One in my in my own backyard. You know, I grew up in Abilene and you're going to Buffalo Gap. Oh, Buffalo Gap. Yeah, Buffalo Gap Food and Wine. I'll be out there a few weeks. I'll be in Vegas this weekend. Um, go from Buffalo Gap to Houston Barbecue Festival. Um, then after that, I got Austin Food and Wine. This is just April. Austin Food and Wine Jeez. Festival. But then uh, I'll be back in... Kansas City, just got back from New York a few days ago, was in, out, out in like, Louisville, and we're also in my Memphis coming up. This is all the next few months, so it, yeah. I mean, I'm fortunate again to have some some brands behind me, whether it be what we're drinking today, Knob Creek, yeah. um, you know, Yeti, I've been with Yeti for a long time, you know, Mill Scale, Pitmaker Pits, you know, B&B Charcoal, Proud Cow, you know, some, some of the best beef you can find around the world. Um, you know, again, I'm pretty blessed that people believe in what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, and 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 have some some pretty cool sponsors who who really are interested in me telling stories. And, yeah. And you need to get one of those NASCAR jackets with all the patches of all your sponsors <laughs> and travel around with that. Just the guy with the camera. I'm sure Yeti will, will make a make a jacket for you, insulated, keep you warm for four days. Yeah. <laughs> My goal is to continue uh, lifting weights so one of these days I can go sleeveless. Oh, like drinking me? My bourbon. Yeah, sleeveless, yeah. drinking my bourbon, smoking my cigar, <laughs> the camera in one hand. Looking like Ricky Bobby of, of barbecue photography. I don't know what to do with my hand. <laughs> cool, man. Well, I really appreciate you spending this time with me. Uh, of course, I'm just a little podcast with seven episodes. Actually, eight. My eighth one dropped earlier today. <laughs> well, uh, Which, uh, we apologize to we anybody all who got somewhere. Uh, the Wire at one point was <laughs> yeah. in its first season on its eighth episode, and and here they are, ten, fifteen years later, now considered the greatest show ever of all time. Yeah. So well, I don't I mean, don't fuck it up, Abe. I don't aspire <laughs> to be them, but. You know, I, I like it because, I mean, I like to do the show because it's fun and I get to talk to interesting people like yourself. And, well, I wouldn't go that far. You know, um, and yeah, I'd like to apologize to anybody who took uh, the last episode or the last announcement, the breaking news serious. Although it does sound like a really cool concept. <laughs> I would go to that restaurant, you know. 
you know, uh, I mean, in all seriousness, I have thought about buying, you know, some of my friends um, buying a trailer and just setting up shop in my neighborhood. Because, you know, our backyard parties are pretty well, well yeah. received, but I'm not delusional to think I could do this full time on a, on a, on a large scale basis. <laughs> but it'd be nice to just hang out on the Saturday cooking tacos and making burgers. Yeah. You know, I remember uh, a few months ago when, when B was here, B and Matt. Uh, we're here after Texas Monthly, and we're here just you know, drinking, you know, having some cigars in my backyard. I think it's like midnight, and, and I'm like, man, I'm hungry. I'm like, man, I got you. So I went and make, you know, went to went to the fridge, pulled out some 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 hamburger meat, rolled some patties, smashed the shit out of them on my another one of my sponsors, Lynx Grills, my flat top, <laughs> but smashed some burgers, and, and and you know, I have my own you know fig jam sauce that I make. Put some Harvardi cheese and some Hawaiian rolls and some other little, little ingredients I throw in there, and you know, I, and I learned how to smash burgers from Pat Martin. I have to give him that, that motherfucker credit because that guy makes it look so fucking easy, and it's not. <laughs> but made them some burgers, and you, you, you talked about B getting nominated for for James Beard, and, and B's like it's the best motherfucking burger I've ever had in my life. <laughs> like shut the fuck up, you serious? And you know, Matt had had like four or five burgers, B. B, he weighs like 130 pounds wet, <laughs> crushing burgers in my backyard. <laughs> and, and for me, that's like, like that was a moment for me where I was like, wow, maybe I can go have a food cart. There you go. Open, open two hours a day, you know, on a Saturday. So who knows? Yeah. We'll see. You're still a young man, man. You still, well, you still have time to do whatever yeah, you want to do. I think you want to go home with a bottle of bourbon. That's, I'm not a young man. <laughs> 37 going on 60. Well, cool, my brother. I appreciate the time again, and um, looking forward to, to continuing the our friendship and um, seeing what's next for for you, man. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of cool stuff coming up. Yeah, man. Well, every day I wake up is a blessing, so I'll just take tomorrow, uh, each day as it comes. And how, before we sign off, how old are your little kiddos? Four, six, and eight. Four, six, and eight. Yeah. Okay. And what are their names? Uh, Avery's my oldest. She's eight. Finley's my middle. She's uh, six, and then Scotch. That's my boy. Yeah, so I'm helping you earlier. That yeah. guy's your little helper, huh? He wants to do everything I do, and so <laughs> it's my job uh, to uh, teach him the way. And then you know, talk about my, my kids. I just got Avery her second camera. Uh, I took her to New York, you know, last week for her eighth birthday, and just to kind of watch her taking. Taking barbecue pictures at, at hometown. I saw that. Was was a moment for me. <laughs> That's awesome. She's gonna be a hundred times better than me. <laughs> That's awesome, brother. Well, cool, man. I'll be on my way back to California, and um, I'll hit you up next time I'm back in town, my friend. Thanks for tuning in to the I Crush Barbecue Show. And remember, if you like the show, please subscribe, leave us a comment, and share with your friends. You can always find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at iCrushBBQShow. Or email us at iCrushBBQShow at gmail.com. Don't forget to tag us with your favorite pics. We'd love to see what you're crushing. Until next time, happy crushing.